You're listening to the Hillspring Church audio podcast. Hillspring exists so that all people can find and embrace a life of faith through Christ. For more information or to get involved, visit us on the web at hillspringchurch.org. Well, it is that time of year again, isn't it? The time of year when the ads pop up on your social media feed and the flyers take over your mailbox that are all about what? Sales, okay. A little bit of Boxing Week. There's something else that happens this time of year. The ads are usually very specific about something. Any other guesses? New Year's resolutions. We're getting closer. What types of diet and exercise? Fitness, right? Fitness. From fitness equipment such as rowing machines, treadmills, kettlebells. Anyone buy any fitness equipment this year? All right. Good for you guys. Was that part of a resolution? No? Okay. So from equipment like that, rowing machines to gut detox programs or gym memberships, you know, companies know that this is the best time to profit off of your desire to be a better you this year. See, as we leave 2023 behind us and as we enter 2024, people all around the world are filled with a renewed sense of determination, aren't they? To make up for the sins of the previous year, whether that refers to binge-watching far too many series on Netflix or eating unhealthy foods far too often or eating unhealthy foods while Binge watching too many episodes on Netflix. You know, as people come into the new year, they take stock of their lives, reevaluating or evaluating and uh, thinking about the areas where they fell short in the year before and how they should make some changes. It's the season of resolutions, commitments that people make to themselves to do better. And perhaps You identify with some of the most common resolutions that people make, such as eating healthier, stopping smoking, exercising more in an attempt to redeem your physical health, saving money perhaps in order to recover from the financial hole that you may have dug yourself into in 2023, slowing down to spend time with people that maybe you drifted apart from over the last year because your schedule just got a little too out of hand, or getting organized and purging your home so that you don't end up on the next season of hoarders, right? These are just a few, but very common areas of life where people enter the year set on becoming a better version of themselves and repairing the damage from the previous year. But the truth is this, this do better mentality that people have at this time of year, it often shows up in our spiritual lives as well, doesn't it? It's not only exercise gyms that fill up at this time of year. Churches do as well. Many people enter the new year with a sense of guilt and shame about the condition of their relationship with God. And so maybe that's you this morning. And as you reflect on your spiritual life in 2023, maybe you would say to yourself, well, I didn't read my Bible much, if at all, or I didn't talk to God much, if at all, not to mention the things that you know that you did, that you're pretty sure God wouldn't be too pleased with. And perhaps like the other areas of your life, you're, you're entering the year determined to do better in your relationship with God, to, to pull up your socks, spiritually 
speaking, hoping to repair a relationship with God that you've neglected for far too long. But while making changes in life isn't all that bad, and striving to do better in life isn't something that's inherently wrong, this do better mentality or mindset that so many people start the year with, it actually isn't the best way to start the year when it comes to your faith. In fact, I would say that it isn't a good way at all. See, when it comes to your spiritual life, you know, God isn't simply looking for you to do better. He actually wants something much deeper and more transformative for your life. See, a do-better mentality, it stems from a place of guilt and of shame. When we look back on the past year and you see all of your mistakes and your shortcomings, you often, you may feel like you've let God down and you want to do something to make it right. But the truth is that God doesn't want you to start your year being burdened by guilt. He wants you to experience his grace and his forgiveness because life change begins with his love. So as we approach this year, God laid it on my heart not to use the start of this year to burden you more when it comes to your faith or to leverage this do better mentality that pastors often want to try and take advantage of to you know, twist people's arms spiritually in order to get them to come to church more often or to give more or whatever it may be. But instead, I felt God leading me just to speak life into you as we start this year, to encourage you, to build you up. So that's what we're going to do. I want to spend this month looking at passages that I hope will help lift the burden of guilt and shame that you may have carried with you into this year and provide you with what I hope is a really healthy understanding of what it means to, to know God and to live in a relationship with him. Sound good? All right. Well, I'm going to invite you to, to stand with me and turn in your Bibles to Matthew 18, verses 21 to 35. And I'm not going to be seven minutes, by the way. You can send a runner up there to warn them. But I will be brief. This is a passage that, that shows us that you don't have to make it up to God. In fact, you can't. Now, it's not how this passage is always looked at, uh, but there's something in here that I don't want you to miss. Because the reality is that all we can do as we come into this year is depend on God's mercy. It's the parable of the unmerciful servant. Let's pray and ask God to lead us this morning. God, we thank you so much that you are with us here in this room as we start this year together. And God, I pray that even as we look to your word this morning, as we open our hearts and our minds up to what you have shown us through your son, that we would start this year with a healthy relationship and a healthy understanding of your love. And that out of those things, uh, good things would flow and grow from our lives. We pray in your name. Lead us. Amen. You guys can grab a seat. I'm not going to read through it because we're going to get there. And we're going to break it apart anyways. But in this, this passage, it's a, there's a troublesome message if you read it one way. But there's also a really encouraging message in here. And the scenario was, was that Jesus was with his disciples and he was teaching them about what to do when other people sin and how to deal with other people's sin or the sin in other people's lives. And this got one of Jesus' disciples thinking, a disciple named Peter. And it got him thinking and he, and he, and he asked Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? 
said up to seven times. And essentially what he was asking was, you know, what are the limits to forgiveness? Should I forgive up to seven times, which is actually quite a few times. If someone does something to you that hurts you or offends you and you forgive them, that's one thing. But if they do it again and again, and then seven times later, you're like, am I really supposed to forgive this person? Okay. So perhaps Peter was quite confident in his suggestion that, you know, seven times was a satisfactory number that God would be pleased with. And but then Jesus answered in verse 22. He said, I tell you, not even seven times, but 77 times. His answer went far and above what Peter imagined that it must have left his jaw hanging on the floor. 77 times? <laughs> My brain is... Yeah, I keep thinking of... And this, anyways, we're going to move on here. <laughs> But it wasn't even that Jesus was just suggesting that people forgive 11 times what Peter had suggested. But when you get into this dialogue, you realize that there are some numbers in the Bible that aren't always just even meant to be taken literally, that they are figures of speech that have meaning. And the number seven is one of those ones that represents completion. So Peter was probably like, well, seven is this number that represents a significant number of times that you would forgive, and it's a, it's a number that would satisfy God's demands for our lives. But then Jesus goes and he says, no, 77 times. And what was really going on here was that Jesus took this number and was essentially saying, there is no limit to God's mercy. But there's no limits to mercy, which is really challenging if he's talking to Peter who's asking him how many times he should forgive. Because most people would say, well, you know what? You've blown it one too many times, Right? You know better, and you just keep doing it, and, and I'm just not going to forgive you anymore because you just keep doing something that you know isn't acceptable. You've come to the end of my mercy. And while this is challenging for us as people, that's not what I want to focus on right now because I don't want you to miss here that whatever Jesus, or whenever Jesus calls us to a certain level of character or his disciples to a certain level of character, he's not communicating a rule. He's actually revealing the character of God himself. If the standard of God's forgiveness for us is unlimited, that's because God is the standard, which means that God's forgiveness or God's mercy towards us is unlimited. And Jesus never calls us to a certain character that isn't first founded in the character of God himself. And so there's this beautiful understanding of God that comes with this call to be a person of mercy. God's forgiveness is unlimited. How unlimited? Well, let's just say that if God were to send his son in the flesh to walk among us, which he did, and even if they were to, if the people on earth were to hate and reject him, which they did, and even if they were to go as far as to nail the son of God to a cross and hurl insults at him, which they did, he would hang on that cross, looking at the very people who put him there. And say, Father, forgive them. Now this gives us the picture of the extent of God's mercy. There is no limit to the mercy of God. And so to explain this, Jesus tells a story. He says, therefore, in verse 23, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 
And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And at this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Which is not true. There's no way he could have paid back this debt. Yet the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. And so in the story, there's this man who finds himself deeply indebted to his master, an enormous debt, 10,000 bags of gold, of gold. It was an absolutely ridiculous amount of money. And the point was really that, that this debt was too great for him to repay. He was at the, the full mercy of his master and things weren't looking good. The consequences of his debt were enormous. That the, the enslavement of his entire family, the man's irresponsibility had destroyed his life and his family's life as well. And yet instead of forcing the man to repay and, and inflicting those consequences upon the man, his master bore the cost and let the man go free. Now, of course, this isn't just a story about a fictional man and his fictional master, is it? The point is that, that we as people are deeply indebted to God. By rejecting God's, lives, God's design for our lives over and over again, we've dug ourselves into a spiritual hole. It's not just that you didn't read your Bible in 2023 or that you didn't go to church regularly enough. You know, in 2023, let's face it, you were selfish many times, right? You were impatient. You, you lacked grace with people. You, you had thoughts and motives in your life that were just downright impure. You were proud. You, you and I fell short over and over again. And this puts us into a relational debt with our creator. Well, if it weren't for who God is, that is. But a debt that you may be well aware of or you may feel coming into this year. And it's true that the debt that we have to God is enormous. In fact, it's so enormous that none of us can repay it through a do-better mentality. There's no Bible reading or prayers that you can say or coming to church enough times that you can repay an offense to our creator who created us to live one way and yet we said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm going to live for my own desires and my own ambitions. And yet God's mercy is far greater than any debt that we have with him. There, there isn't a maximum debt that God will forgive. No matter how deeply indebted we are to God, God willingly bears the cost of our debt in order to let us go free. And when you depend on God's mercy, you're not coming into this year needing to do better and make it up to God. You're coming into this year debt-free. You're coming in debt-free. You, you don't have anything to make up to God by doing better. And so you may ask, well, then God doesn't expect anything of us. Well, there's one thing in particular in this story. Let's take a look at the rest of the story. In verse 28, it says, But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. And he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me and I will pay it back. But 
The man refused, and instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. And then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you, Jesus said, unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So as the story ends, even though this man had been forgiven of this enormous debt, He literally had walked out of his master's presence debt-free, completely free. He went out and he refused to show the same mercy to someone who owed him so much less. Even though he was shown, even though we were shown mercy from God, or even though he was shown mercy from his master, he expected a do-better response from someone in his own life who was debted to him. And for that, he was punished. And see, There's no limit to God's mercy. There's nothing we can do that he won't forgive. All that he asks is that we treat others the way that he treats us. That's a pretty fair deal, isn't it? He'll forgive anything in our lives. The only thing he asks is that we treat others in the same way that he treats us. And so as we enter the new year, it's it's easy to get caught up in a do-better mentality. It really is. You know, our world revolves around that type of thinking, you know. It's a new year, it's a fresh start, it's an opportunity to do better, to, to, to clean up, you know, maybe what you messed up in the year before. But it's not helpful when it comes to our relationship with God. Because when we approach our relationship with God that way, we can easily fall into something that we may be familiar with called legalism. And we create a checklist of things that we need to do in order to earn God's love and, our, and his approval, like reading the Bible, praying, serving, going to church, that are not bad things of themselves, in themselves. But as a part of a do-better mindset, we become focused so much on our own efforts rather than relying on God's love that we don't really understand what it means to have a relationship with him at all. In fact, on top of that, when, a, when we allow a do-better mindset to take over, we tend to apply that same standard to other people in our lives, right? And so like the man in the parable of Jesus, we, we demand that everyone else around us do better to repay us for the shortcomings in their lives. And all it does is it, 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 it drives wedges between us and the people in our lives. And we go around with this frustrated, judgmental attitude towards other people, and we will go around with guilt and shame in our own lives, in our relationship with God. And all of that just undermines what God has given us through his son. A do-better mindset isn't the way to go into this year when it comes to faith, because the good news is that God loves us. He loves us. And he loves us not for what we do, but because of who he is. His love and his mercy is based on his un changing character. He doesn't change based on whether we have a good 2023 or a good 2024. He loves us. And his mercy, as Christine mentioned even earlier today, I think in your prayer, that his mercy is new every morning. So instead of starting the year with a a do-better mentality, let's start the year with a heart of surrender. 
You know, acknowledging that we, we can't change ourselves through sheer willpower or clean up our act enough to, to make God love us, but simply by starting the year surrendering to his love and living with a deep sense of gratitude for his mercy. Yes, you did fall short in 2023. When you ask for forgiveness, nothing that happened in 2023 is dragged into 2024. And I think that's a pretty good way to start, isn't it? Saying, God, there's nothing between you and me. My, my terrible record from the last year is gone. And I, I need you to forgive me. And I'm starting this year resting in your love. It's a beautiful place to start. And let's be people who just go into the year wanting to cultivate a deeper intimacy with him, knowing that it's through this relationship that true transformation occurs. Because if you go into the year just knowing the mercy of God and depending on that, it will change. If you go through with gratitude for that, it will change the way that you treat people. And in the things that you struggle to do in your own willpower, it's amazing how suddenly you begin to change and God works through you through his Holy Spirit. And let's allow what God has given us to shape the way that we treat others. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna ask Christine to come and just lead us quickly in a song before we close.